What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to the, what is it? The fourth episode of the Feature Podcast and our second day of filming. And you guys might have noticed in the last few, my headphones were just in a really weird spot. They probably still are. I don't know. We figured out our technical issues and turns out my headphone wasn't fully plugged in. Are they still slipping down the back of your head? Probably. Got a greasy head. They're looking fine. You did switch to the Shures. Almost worked out. Little earbud ones? Yeah, the little clear, clear earbuds makes you look like a Formula One uh, engineer or a like usher at a movie theater. Mm, yeah. Nice. But they don't fit in my ear very nice. And uh, I think the problem was last week, uh, this thing wasn't fully plugged in or something, or we had the Balti yeah, like headphone limiter. But I can finally hear myself. It doesn't mm. feel like I'm in a air chamber anymore. And these microphones uh, are finally starting to sound like what they're worth. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about press trips. I we talked are. a bit about kind of the backstory of YouTube and the last 10 years and how everything's changed so much. And it's evolved into a lot of traveling, about 100 flights a year for the past two years since dropping out. And my big intention was to be able to travel more after leaving school. And we got our fair share of that to the point where travel was starting to get a little bit overwhelming and I wasn't really able to focus on improving the content as much as I would have liked. But yeah, today uh, I think a lot of times when you guys see stuff, it's going to be on Instagram stories, it's going to be in the YouTube video, it's going to be all the fancy stuff. But I want to talk more about like the process of how they work, what we decide to go on, uh, how how we charge, and also what to expect and the differences between industry. I, I think I've been to a car trip before. I've also been on a trip with Disney to check out a product, I think, for Star Wars a while back. But most of the trips we go to are like phone releases and they're relatively similar, but they do have differences depending on where the brand comes from and the, the team that's managing it. And there's a lot to say. So I want to kind of keep it to the very first trip that you went on and how you knew what to charge and was it just opportunity and then kind of go into what were your top three trips. So first trip, man, take me through it. What was that like and where'd you go? So my first trip was to LA and a lot of times in this space, you go by supply and demand. So if you have a lot of videos to make of a same type of product, then you naturally charge more for it. But at the time I was never invited to trips. So I just took it, didn't charge them anything. I agreed to make like a video and a few other things. And it was to LA, but it was for one night. And I didn't even bother asking to stay like two nights or something. And it was for this private jet concept that they were working on, like a hovercraft private jet that was supposed to be consumer available. And they had like a little plastic model of it. And that was it. I think the company was, um, I'm trying to think it was the XTI, I think TriFan 600. It was something I was not in the space that I was right. in. And there was some guys there that I, I think I'd watched before. Uh, Sab Kyle was there and some aviation guys. So yeah, we went to LA and we had to take a helicopter from Santa Monica to a airplane hangar. I think it's Van Nuys or whatever it's called. And that's where they had the presentation. And it was it was a good one. I mean, it was a bit awkward. They People had to add clapping sounds into their videos because Oof. when they pulled the, the tarp off of the product they were announcing, nobody clapped. Uh, yeah. And um, they also had me interview the engineer and I had no idea about anything aviation. And um, it was a bit awkward, but... For the first trip, it was kind of cool to realize that we'd be able to travel somewhere. I remember when I told my mom, she thought I was, it was like a joke. Like, like why is well, somebody Where was flying? your channel at at the time? And I'll have to check, but it, it wasn't huge, like but it wasn't ballpark. small. I think it was over, it might have been over 100,000 subscribers, but it was just out of the blue. You get like an email from mm-hmm. a media company that says, uh, come fly out to LA. And like being the first trip, you don't really know if it's real or not, but right. 
Yeah, I uh, went with a friend and it was only for one night. So the funny story after that was we, I missed the flight because I it was my first time going. It was my first time flying on my own. It was the first trip to LA that I'd been to on my own and I didn't judge LA traffic. So to get to that heli- the private helicopter flight to get to the event, I missed the first one completely. Oh, man. And um, so I guess I had a second wave that picked us up. But after that, we had to go straight to the airport because our flight was leaving the same day and it was a it was a one night trip. And uh, I get to the airport and they swab your hands. And, you know, like if you've been in an airplane hangar, you've uh, touched a lot of metals and things that could be parts of a bomb. And so the the explosive sensor went off at TSA. They pull me aside. They're going through my dirty underwear, um, all this other stuff. I was in there for like 20 to 30 minutes. And that was probably as a result of just like, I don't know, touching anything that could have been in in that airplane hangar. (laughs) They called like head of security over. And I was just like, I must have been like 18 at the time. And I was like so confused. And I I was already late for my flight. LAX is a big airport. And I don't think I realized that. Like Victoria is like... I mean, it's a tiny place and gate one to seven is like 30 seconds walk. So my friend was on WestJet. I was on Air Canada and he's going to Vancouver. I'm going to Victoria and he gets dropped off at, at, uh, at terminal seven. And I'm like, oh, I'm, at, I'm like terminal two. I can just like walk a couple steps down. No problem. It ended up being like a 40 minute walk in 25, 30 degree weather. Oh, Celsius. Where was your friend? What happened to him? Oh, he was already like on his flight. And then I do my long walk and end up getting flagged by TSA. So yeah, that was uh, that was my first trip. Um, oh man! So what did you end up learning from that? Besides, like to wash um, your hands before you go through TSA. I also left my camera equipment on the plane as a carry on, and I had to go back on the plane. So there's a, it was like the classic what you would expect out of the first trip. Uh, almost missed the flight and ended up missing the helicopter flight. Left a phone in an Uber, a backup phone in an Uber, and uh, <laughs> and uh, just like all that, the way we recorded it was also pretty whack. It was all over the place. It was oh, some of it what shot on the, a phone. What was the company looking to get out of having you there? I think just like a video, they're looking for some tech guys and uh, they just came across. I think that's the cool thing about the tech space. You you get invited to a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff, whether it's in your space or not. Sometimes it might be mm-hmm. in the lifestyle field. We got invited to a Lincoln trip last year, which might sound a little bit funny, but it was actually one of the better put together trips after being used to going on like <laughs> these tech trips where they kind of just like fly you out and leave you alone, which is perfectly fine. You mm-hmm. can explore the place by yourself. But yeah, it was, um, I think that's where it really differs. Like between the industries, you see like Revolve doing crazy stuff at Coachella, the lifestyle and beauty industry, they spend a lot of money on those trips and I'm yeah. sure they get paid great as well. They go to like Fiji and stuff in the Maldives. We're not going to get to go to that anytime soon, but we get to go to New York six times in a, in a quarter. So mm. that's fun. Uh, but what have you dialed in now? Like what's having learned? I mean, that's quite a, quite an experience for your first one. Pro- pretty much everything went wrong. What have you learned now that's almost like routine for you? I think the gear pack is something that you still never get used to. Like the stuff you want, you still overpack like for the first like five, 10 trips. I don't think it's, it, it was up until like the past two or three that I really started packing properly. Right. And um, as you go to each city more times, you figure out the the hacks for each one. Like New York, never fly to JFK or LaGuardia, just fly to Newark. And um, how come? Oh, it's just like reliability of the, of the flights there. I had one trip in New York where I was uh, flying out of LaGuardia to Toronto and that airport was like known for delays. And so I was like three hours late getting into Toronto, missed the last direct flight to Victoria and had to stay in the airport for 14 hours. So that two day trip to New York ended up being like three or four. And I was just like so pissed off that I decided not to leave the airport and go to the hotel that they picked. Um, I just like sat around and they don't let you get your baggage out, but 
yeah, the, uh, I think as you go to each place, you learn the hacks, you try to find the spots, you have your go-to and that's why I personally like going to the same place over and over again. I know I should probably open up, uh, my, my view a little bit and, uh, <laughs> try to go to new places, but you'll, you'll learn tendencies. Like Switzerland is extremely expensive. Certain areas you should use like Uber versus Lyft, or they have like a different sort of system. And Japan, there's also a ton of things to learn, which is very interesting and in how like this, the train system there is easier to take than one in North America. I think in the business side of things, also learning to integrate it into your daily structure and ensuring that the number of days you're spending on a trip does not affect the amount of time that you need to produce your regular content at home. So for, for example, you go to New York for four days, you probably need one day to get get it ready and one day to recover. So mm -hmm. that ends up being a seven day trip when in reality on the calendar, it might just look like four. So as a business owner and as someone who I usually try to go on the trips on my own, I don't normally just like send somebody to go. I think I'm still young enough to just be able to hop on a plane and, and go and enjoy something and come back. So that is definitely something that I've had to learn and juggle. And last year with the renovation and everything, I probably could have done a better job. Renovation took like six months. We, we produced, I think, 80 videos, which is pretty solid for what I, what I expected. But yeah, it's, uh, I think now that we've had this whole Corona break and not having to travel for a long time, as soon as we get back into it, that's, uh, I think I've been able to have a bit of clarity as to what a stay at home schedule is like versus a, a travel day. Yeah. Well, how do you manage? Like you're going on a trip. How many did you go on last year? Trip wise? I'm going to have to count, but it, Just it was, ballpark. it might've been 20. 20 trips what how on average how long did you go on these trips for uh so some of the shortest ones i can remember was paris for two days and, okay uh, let's say for paris you had to go there for two days what was the conference it was for huawei the okay. p30 pro announcement so how did you manage like what were they asking you to do just show up or did you have to produce a certain amount of pieces of content like what was their ask yeah. So usually with like Google and Samsung, uh, most of the time it's just like attend the event. And if it's ever Apple, then we would just, we would just go, uh, with Asian companies like Huawei and Oppo, uh, just because it's not our primary market, we do charge for videos like that. So in that case it was uh, Huawei and, uh, they were doing a big event. I'm trying to remember where it was, but it was a huge event. There was like 3000 people and there was only wow. like a couple people from Canadian YouTube who were able to go. I wasn't even allowed to bring a guest on that one. And, uh, yeah, so we, I land at 8 AM Paris time after taking off from Vancouver at like 5 p.m. the day before. So pretty much 24 hours and plus the time change. So by the time you land, you don't go back to bed. You're like, everybody's going to get like breakfast or lunch or whatever it is. And you've got this big like flat iron steak from France. And uh, I ordered it medium well and took like two hours to eat it because it was like chewing gum. <laughs> the medium well there is different from what it is here. Yeah. And um, so I was extremely tired and you get in the hotel, you like maybe think about filming, but they do like a welcome dinner on the first day, which is nice. They take you like a nice, like Michelin star place. They order everything on the menu and everybody shares it. They order every single dessert on the menu. But the only problem was that with that is uh, on this trip, the Chinese president was apparently in town. And so traffic everywhere was terrible. And uh, Paris is small. It's like, You've got these like bridges and two lane. They've been around for however many years and mm -hmm. there's just not much like flow for traffic. And so the restaurant was like a 10 minute walk, but they ordered a car to take us there, which makes sense. But it ended up having to go on like a lot of loops, like all the way around and ended up taking two hours to get to the restaurant. And by the time we were done the dinner and they're like, oh, let's go for drinks. And it's like three in the morning or something. And you end up walking back. And the next morning you got to be up at 8 a.m to get ready to go to the event at 9 a.m., which is another hour away because of the traffic. Mm -hmm. So um, 
Yeah, that was hectic. And uh, on top of that, usually they just expect us to like cover the phone, do a video on the first day, which we did. We uh, we filmed it in the in the Louvre, just sitting outside Good on Golden place. Hour and um, taking some photos on the new phone and uploading the video within an hour. It was mm. just one of those like release day videos. But on top of that, we also wanted to make a travel film, which is like get all the landmarks, get all the street stuff. And so I brought a kid, uh, I brought a friend with me. Uh, I call him a kid because he's like 18, works for Beautiful Destinations. And um, he... Yeah, he, he took care of it all. Uh, I mean, when you're 18, you can you can last more hours without needing sleep. So he was up like five in the morning to get like sunrise shots. They all turned out great. And mm. uh, we came up with a travel film and got back on a plane and uh, and came back. But yeah, that was all in about two to three days. And I think a week after like, I had to go again. What makes somehow. these trips worth it? Besides like the obvious, like just give like a few examples of besides like, you know, networking and the price. Like what are a few examples that only you would know that makes these trips worth it? I think like, um, I think when you're young, you, you always feel like you're trying to prove something and it's almost like a test of endurance. Like I'm going to try to go on every single trip that I've, that I've been invited for while trying to do everything that I want to do at home exactly the same and just try to fill that schedule up. I know it's a bit crazy and a lot of people can't handle it, but, uh, yeah, in my case, it's uh, obviously the enjoyment aspect, but I feel like a lot of the enjoyment is after you come home because when you get there, you're extremely tired. And after you've been on like the 15th trip of the year, you're it's it's not abnormal to complain and like, oh, like I really don't want to be here right now. I'm so tired and I got a whole bunch of stuff to do. And maybe this is a trip that doesn't really pay any money. But I think when you get home, you look at the whole list of places that you've been able to go in one year and some of which being paid for, it's, it, it's something that, I'm, that I got to be grateful for. And um, so... Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely tiring, but some of the places that really put things into into perspective, like as soon as I got there, it was like, wow, like this is crazy how YouTube has been able to to bring us here. It was like Switzerland. Switzerland is probably one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, and just like just standing there and looking around is like that's that's pretty cool. Uh, mm. Just from reviewing a phone or whatever it was, and I think a lot of times. Um, yeah, when people ask like what you do for a living and I get to tell them the whole travel aspect, like most people don't care about like your Huawei or Oppo phone or whatever it is. But if you tell them you got to get paid to travel the world for free, I think that's a pretty cool line to to be able to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what was, uh, did you ever have a moment on one of these trips last year where like it was perspective, but like a place where you just kind of had this aha moment of like, wow, I really appreciate what I do. It was, uh, yeah, it was definitely Switzerland, um, the Bergenstock Resort, just like a two hour drive up the mountain. And like, there's nobody there. A lot of times they take you to like, for example, a Japan trip, we were there in midsummer. So full of tourists and everything. And I feel like when you, when you're in a place with a ton of tourists and it's just so crowded, it, it, it does kind of take away from it. You take your pictures, but you don't really get a enjoy or appreciate it. Cause next thing you know, there's another 50 people in a big group, like squeezing by and stuff and it's like 30 degrees, but yeah, uh, Switzerland, I think was perfect. It was, um, two hours up the mountain, this place called Bergenstock, probably some of the nicest hotels I've ever seen, but they were mostly, I think they were empty and there's like all these like, like townhouses and stuff of like people would go there for retirement and there would be like a dentist and grocery store and everything on the top of the mountain. But, um, you look out and it's just like, green there's like cows on the side of the road it was that was definitely uh super cool and you look over on the other side and it's the lake so i'll put some pictures on screen but i think that was uh, i'm usually not that like i don't get amazed by things very easily but when i went there as, as well as the swiss alps the next day that was definitely one where i was like yeah. i was like that's that's pretty crazy and um and like just thinking of how much that would have costed if we had to yeah. pay for all that shit, it would have been crazy. Well, how many of these trips do you actually end up paying for? Like, Almost let's say out of, of the 20, 
So none of those last year. I think I paid for, for one. Um, and, and even that one was like a, was like a business yeah. trip because we, uh, we go and we go to LA and film the iPhone. I think it's, right. it's become a ritual. I think LA is a good time to go around September and just like hang out with some of your YouTube friends and, uh, whoever lives down there, you take the iPhone, take some nice photos there. And, uh, this week I did a little bit differently instead of going for two to three days, I decided to go for a full week and just, uh, rent an Airbnb, rent a car and mm. drove that around, film the videos the filming didn't go as well as I as I would have liked. I definitely learned a lot, and I think we can fix that this year. It was just, yeah, one of those years where the iPhone was not as strong of a content area. But, yeah, um, I think, yeah, what's crazy about it is no matter what industry or no matter how much money you make, I think the idea of being able to travel for free right. is pretty awesome. And especially as, like, creators or influencers, if that's the term to use, we get to kind of enjoy the trip. Uh, they, they take you on nice restaurants. They give you like an open itinerary if you want. You can travel around and, and sometimes they'll plan stuff. But for the most part, you're, uh, all your trips are paid for. Uh, what do they normally give you on a trip? Like what's an example of like the average thing that they'll give you? They'll like yeah. hotels, food certificates. Like so it what? depends. I think um, an average trip, like a really good trip would be like CES. Uh, with Samsung, that was like one of my favorite trips, uh, even though it was just to Vegas. Mm, what'd they do? Restaurants are great. I mean, they, they paid pretty good. But aside from that, they give you a nice five-star hotel for you and your staff. Sometimes we have to share. But in that case, we had a Caesars Palace own room for five nights, which is way longer than it had to be. And um, business class flights there. And uh, all the food was expensed and covered. They had a meal every day. And all the rides and everything was all sorted. Uh, some of the other trips wow. are a little bit more disorganized uh, from the Chinese companies. <laughs> they, uh, they're they very last minute about their flights. They like to book it. A lot of times I would offer to book it and um, just reimburse it just right. because we can make sure we have the right like luggage thing, uh, seats make sense. And uh, also a lot of times there's like cheaper options through different routes of like Victoria, going through Vancouver or Calgary or going to Toronto. So yeah, there's a lot of variables and um, I personally like to book it on my own, but right, right. Well, what did you provide for Samsung when that trip went so smoothly? I mean, that they was gave like you a video lot. and a lot of Instagram stories and right. stuff. They they usually give you if you are doing a paid trip, they'll give you a list of deliverables, like one or two videos plus like this many stories on this platform, tweets and and content that is licensable. But in an event of like a experience trip, which we've done a few of as well, including Lincoln and NASCAR and Formula E. They just take you out there and they don't ask you of anything, but obviously there is a bit of a mutual expectation of mm. like just seamless content. And in those kind of trips, it's, it's almost like they, they spent all the money that you would usually get paid from a influencer trip on the experience itself, which I'm fine with in some areas. Lincoln obviously wasn't something that we would film like a dedicated video of just because it's not my area and my demographic, but, um, great dinners, great hotel. They planned all these activities to visit like a, I think we had, we ate emu on the first day. They what? took us to a farm. What does that and taste ate, like? It didn't taste very good. Um, and Was I, I wasn't Lincoln the only trip? one. Yeah, it was. Uh, as soon as we got there, they take you to a nice farm, like super nice farm, super nice people. Um, mm. the, the lady who owns the farm though, she kept putting the, the XLR cable of the microphone next to the amplifier. And we were the closest to the amplifier and the thing would just like squeak. And every time everybody mm. would jump up, but it happened like five times. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, we were eating the emu and the first one out at least, uh, not really. We were too busy, uh, laughing about it <laughs> kind of, but, uh, the first meal was raw emu and you could see the emu walking around in the backyard, which we thought was kind of funny. And, uh, apparently they did a trip the week before us and they said mm. that they, 
that they they uh, they noticed a reasonable drop of the number of emu from that week to this week. So we'll bring Keaton on and he can tell us that was the first time we hung out and uh, he's got mm. we've got a funny story about that one. But another great trip was NASCAR and also Formula E. I think Formula E is probably one of my favorite trips to date. I've got a story about that and how I kind of ruined that as well. But well, yeah. first, before you tell the story, what made the Formula E so special out of all the trips you've been on? So back before 2018, I only traveled like once or twice a year. And so each trip was like extra cool. I think I got to go to New York once uh, for, for Disney and that was only like a one hour event. It was for a drone release. And during the demo, I crashed their drone. But uh, but this- <laughs> Wait, what, what ended up happening with that? Did you have to oh, pay for it? Really. No, they didn't care. They gave me another one. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but it was- uh, <laughs> It's a good return policy. The, it was, yeah, the Formula E trip. So I, what happened was I hit him up and I hit the wrap up. I used to just like, I wanted to review a car and I wanted to drive it to Banff. So I hit up like BMW hoping to get like an I-8. And I also emailed Land Rover and their head marketing guy asking if I could borrow a Land Rover autobiography. How often do you get them saying yes to like, are you working a lot of these outbound emails for most of these opportunities? Yes and no. I think for the, at this point now, it, it's more the amount of stuff that we get asked to go to is already enough to fill the schedule. So mm-hmm. unless I really, really want to go to something like Formula One, I wouldn't send an email out asking for it. Cause a right. lot of times if uh, there's like budgets involved, it's not easy for these companies to just like take you on these trips and take your friend or videographer mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, it's, what makes it not easy for them? Well, it's just a lot of planning, logistics. Like they have to figure all these things out. I'm sure they have like insurance as well that they have to sort out and like, they don't want to just like take you out there kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I really, really want to go to something, I'll make the investment and, and have access. Was but, that what Formula E was? You No, Formula them? E was uh, was a funny one. So I hit them up, asked if I could borrow a Land Rover or a Range Rover to drive. And keep in mind, I had my N back then. And I even failed my first attempt at getting a full license. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I'm like 19 years old. Like, can I drive your $100,000 car a thousand kilometers? Just such a stupid question. But they were nice about it. And they emailed and said, hey, um, I can't lend you a car because that's a lot of mileage. And it's like also very soon. But we're going to Formula E next week. Do you want to come? Keep in mind, I had no idea what Formula was. I've never heard of Formula One, never heard of Formula E, didn't didn't even know what it was, like at all. Didn't know like cars were racing on on the street track. So he's like, do you wanna go? And I was like, yeah, sure. I gave him all my details. I got my flight like three hours before it was about to take off. And uh, I get to Montreal or Toronto and we go to this event for the cars. They unveil the car for the year and the Jaguar car, cause it's a, the Jaguar team, they showed the E-Pace right. and everything. And it was like a one hour event. But for the rest of the, the next four days, there wasn't anything on the itinerary. So I was just walking around Toronto and didn't really know what the next step was. So I was there for, I was in, on the strip for a full week. So I was walking around Toronto, hanging out with some friends, hadn't heard back from the rep for like three days. And so he emails me on the fourth day. He's like, hey, Justin, I like, hope you're doing well. Uh, you ready to go tomorrow? We're going to Montreal. And uh, so, yeah, we meet up at, at whatever it was. Um, and before that, I was like in the Hilton for three days. I was like chilling. I was like, this is sick. And um, so, yeah, we hop in a car. And for seven hours driving to Montreal, but I was too young to drive the cars. So I sat on the passenger side for seven hours, uh, met a buddy, everybody on the, there was only five of us on the trip. Uh, everybody was a little bit older except for one guy. So yeah, we get to Montreal and it's like the nicest hotel I've ever seen. Um, the W in downtown Montreal. What made it so nice? The room was like, the room was like half the size of my house. It was like five, it must've been five, 500 square feet or something. And it was so big that the bathroom didn't even have a door. And the shower didn't have a glass door either. It was just like a big open space. And like, 
and like, it was just it had a desk had a huge tv all the snacks the lobby was great they had like jaguars all lined up in front of the hotel and like signs and everything and um so yeah that was like okay that's cool but then it came the day where it was the formula formula e race and they drive you on like a escalate or what it might have been a jaguar to the event and then they golf cart you like another 200 feet to the paddock and i didn't know what a paddock was but what what, well, what is a paddock it's like the the VIP paddock is like where friends and family or like people who pay a lot of money or have relations with the team, they hang out and it's like, there's people always walking around with food and they have like a turf outside with a giant screen, but you're like, you have the best seats essentially. It's a starting grid and, and, um, in, in Formula One, like the paddock club sometimes can cost like tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. And I didn't know that. I was just like walking around with my camera and I was in raining champ shorts and a Uvic hoodie and zebra <laughs> uses. <laughs> and next thing you know, you look behind you and like Kate Upton's coming in. She's got like five, five bodyguards and I'm, and I'm sitting there and everybody else is in like a dress shirt or they're wearing like the team stuff that they gave us. And I'm in a, and I'm in raining champ shorts and some Yeezys. Wow. Nice. Yeah, so this trip was just like, it was super fancy. It was just crazy. I loved it. And um, met a few viewers there, which is, pretty funny but uh yeah uh it was i also dropped the camera five minutes before the race started so i had to take the whole thing on my on my phone drop the one the 5d mark four and rip the lens right off the sensor and um yeah so that that trip was definitely an eye-opener because it was back in 2016 that this was just i don't know i like that whole time i just didn't even know what to say and uh if i had to do it over again i'd probably dress a little bit better because I was definitely the youngest one there. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, even like before the race day, they would have like a nice party at a super a restaurant that they rented out completely with like a driving simulator and everything. And everybody there was like Rolexes, uh, Hermes belts and and everything. And he's, I was walking around, I didn't know a single person. So that was, uh, it was crazy. And I definitely look forward to going to Formula again. Hopefully we can work something out with the Porsche team. But yeah, NASCAR was the other experience that we had where it was, uh, we weren't paid for it, but Oh, they took my friend Keaton and I to Miami Beach and uh, we stayed at the Edition, I think. And that was also a really nice hotel. It's like just the style of it. And they've got like a special scent, actually. They sell those candles from the hotel and and they also sell like their um, their little like soap bottles and stuff for on their website mm -hmm. and, and everything. So that was a cool trip. And a uh, YouTuber that I watched uh, from Vlog Squad, Heath, was there with us. Um, and they, yeah, it was a full access guest pass. So you get your name announced at the uh, press conference. So when they read the rules to the, you get to sit at the front of the stage and they they kind of talk about the rules uh, to the to all the teams because all the teams are sitting behind us. And so they announced, they gave us like a bit of a shout out, definitely a bit awkward uh, considering Ray Lewis was also <laughs> getting introduced like five feet away. Jonathan Huberdeau, I think was there as well. Michael Jordan was there too. And um, yeah, you got to walk the red carpet. They show you around the garage. The lead technician also gave us a nice little briefing and talked about like what they do to inspect the cars. They took us on a on a hot lap as well and took us up to the the press box. So you get a seat from above, and if you want to, you can watch it at the pit lane. You can get much closer to the pit lane in in NASCAR than you can in, in Formula. Obviously, in the in Formula, you got to be in the paddock. But yeah, that was um, that was definitely a cool trip. Uh, Florida is always a, a bit of a long flight, but that was, uh, I'd love to do more of those racing events. Uh, another guy who was also there was, uh, Austin Mahone. I think the singer, he was, mm. he was, uh, just everybody just sitting around in the, in the press box. But I think those are examples of trips where we're not necessarily being paid, but the experience is definitely like one that you almost can't buy in a lot of cases, just like the full itinerary sorted out for you. 
Mm. Is that what makes a, like a trip worth investing in is the, and how do you know if it's going to provide the experience that you expect? Yeah, it's, it depends on the industry. I think I've noticed in car industries, although some of them do pay, a lot of them are just like to what I felt like with Formula E was, it was kind of just to impress the media of what they're working on and just showing them the absolute best and making a good impression. Cause there's a lot of car brands out there. Whereas in the phone industry, you, you would go to each event kind of thing, but at the same time, a lot of them are sponsored campaigns. And I think a lot of these trips, uh, the, the trips that I just mentioned are like the once in a year kind of thing. The rest of them are more of, they book your flight, you go out there, you have like four days and you go to the event. And other than that, you can go to the dinners and you have an open schedule. Um, and yeah, so those are, so the tech events for the most part are just attending the events and uh, obviously some do it better than others. Samsung right. and Google do a great job. They put you in a nice hotel, quick trips though. They're like one or two nights. Even are these you, mostly like contracted where you have to perform a certain amount of content? Not necessarily, and do they follow up not on at it? all. I think they, just as a member of media, they have a Canadian list of people who usually uh, cover these things and they'll right. just like invite you out and you do your Instagram stories and, and test out the product. They want the media to be able to try the device. Another more unique type of trip though is like a factory or a lab tour. So this year we got to go to Switzerland twice and one of which was with Logitech to check out their MX Master 3. And it's like, it's a pretty popular mouse, but at the end of the day, a mouse is a mouse. But they took us to Geneva and um, Lake Geneva is, is beautiful. It the craziest sunset I've ever seen, but I was exhausted. So I was in the hotel for most of the trip, but they take you to the campus where they create all the Logitech products. It's like a one square building, all glass. And in there they have uh, all the teams prototyping and they'd have like the product design and marketing upstairs, but in the basement where there's no windows is where they do the engineering. And so you've got these guys who have been working on the mechanism of the mouse for two years. And it, yeah, it's just like they're testing it. They're running all these things. There's even one room where you would hear all of the keyboards and mice getting tested at the exact same time. So it would just be like a nonstop of hundreds of clicks per second, 24 seven. And this, and like a couple people had to work in there every day. And uh, so that was cool to see all the, the moldings and uh, the prototyping and how you get the mouse and they show it to you and then eventually getting the mouse as well. It gives you much more of an appreciation of product. And I think well, those- what did you see at that uh, warehouse that you, someone wouldn't know as a general consumer about their testing? I think it's, uh, I think what consumers wouldn't know is, I mean, it doesn't apply to every brand, but at least in this situation, it goes to show that even going from a product that was already great, that nobody had complaints about, they're still going through the extensive testing, research and development as it would be with a brand new product and kind of transitioning over to Dyson. That was the trip that I went to in, in November in the UK. It was also one of those things where they showed us all the little things with like the 3D printing or the plastic elements and how it's able to to make it 25% quieter, how they tune the sound, that it gives you much more of an appreciation for how the product was made. And it also allows the media to ask questions as to how they can explain to consumers because a lot of times a consumer just picks up an item. And I think that's important. I don't think a consumer always needs to know everything about a product. You pick it up if it works and it's reliable and it's done its job. But I think as media, we want to find ways to dive deeper. And when brands invest money and set up the factory for people to come in, it's not easy. They got to hide all the stuff that they don't want us to see. Mm -hmm. They got to get all this, the people ready and ensure that there is nothing that we can see that we shouldn't. Um, those are all very uh, beneficial. And with Dyson, we had a, we had a look of different labs, uh, how they run the vacuum back and forth, however hundreds of thousands of times, how they have different rooms that actually have different temperatures that the products are tested in 
because US and EU has different regulatory uh, numbers. So there was one room where we were like, holy crap, it's hot in here. But then the room next door was the US testing and it was like a normal room temperature of what we would call regular. Uh, and around the campus, they also had a place called like the, uh, they had like a design area where the building was completely made out of mirrors. And that was a building that we weren't allowed into because that was where the new, it's called the MPI, New Product Research, MPR, whatever it was called. And um, yeah, so we went to the main facility, took a look at like all, all like the programming of, uh, there's uh, there's a lot to talk about. Obviously this could almost be an episode of its own, but there was, uh, we even look at the robot vacuums and how they had a model that they made 10 years ago, but never released it because mm-hmm. the market wasn't ready for it. And they also showed how the new robots they have, they attached all these like sensors on it, kind of like they would with like EA sports when they're making the NHL game. And these are all just like, yeah, people who have been working for 20 years in the same company and the same project and just been committing everything to it to make this lineup better. And that was just, uh, that was cool to see. And we also took us to their areas where they have a university that they set up and the students that get to attend that have a lunch with them and eventually go to the retail shop and see like what the customers see. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of things. All these trips have their own benefits and disadvantages and you have to fit them in your schedule and make the most out of them. But the bottom line is like, we do get to see a lot of cool stuff and it's, uh, it's kind of good that there's been a break recently just to be able to step back and appreciate it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Are there any trips you're looking forward to next year? Uh, as of now, there's no trips planned. I was supposed to go to Barcelona in February. Yeah. Um, we're supposed to go to Barcelona in February. That was supposed to be our very last trip. I I feel like travel is going to be going to be done until, uh, until next year. And I really hope to be able to go to a Formula One race. I think Formula, our, our whole plan with the Tycon video and investing in that, it cost, that video cost me a couple thousand dollars to make with no return, but it was something that I'm very proud of and I don't regret it one bit. The whole intention was to hopefully be able to film for the Porsche Formula E team and attend more car events with them right. and um, eventually Formula One to contact one of the teams and say, hey, this is, uh, this is content we can produce for you. And with Formula E being so similar and under the same umbrella of, of the FIA, I think that's enough of a resume building piece. So if someone's trying to get into the industry, the best, go on these trips, the best way would be to do little things that those people are already doing. Yeah, like, it's going to take a lot of time. I think showing um, what you're capable of for sure. I think in the beginning, you're going to have to invest in some trips. But if you're able to show a company an example of what you're able to create and for them to envision their product within it, it makes things much easier. So recently we've been pitching to Apple that we've done videos for Huawei, Oppo and Samsung of us attending their events and showing the city and and the features of it and adding it to our travel series. Like when you look at the videos on YouTube, it's like San Francisco, Japan, Switzerland. So on, on the outside, it's a travel film and we do have like travel cinematics and try to tell a bit of a story. But within that video, we test the camera and take these photos of these scenes, like of the Swiss Alps and everything using the phone on the sponsored trip. So we kind of displayed it to them as like, here's an example of what we're able to do. Um, and they don't have to really imagine anything. There's, oh, the only thing that's changed is like the, instead of an Oppo phone, it's going to be the iPhone and uh, our camera and we, and they're confident that their camera's better. So it all kind of fits in. And that's the same with the Taycan. Um, a lot of times a brand, I, th- I think nowadays, especially brands don't really tell us what we have to do or don't do back then there might've been a bit more instruction, but nowadays if they're hiring you or they're spending the money or if they're taking the time to reach out, they they've seen what they need to see and they know what to expect. And with the Tycon video, we wanted to just like film the best possible video that we could within resources and send this to every car company from now on, like for the next couple of years and say, this is the best stuff we can produce. And with the proper resources where we can make it happen. 
we really want to do a video of like some Audis or even the the Ford Mach E, the Mustang. And mm-hmm. um, I think it just expands the area into tech. Like tech has so tech is in areas that you don't expect it to be. You've got phones, you've got tablets, and uh, but you've also got stuff like cars and how the electric car industry has gotten so big. And there's new companies that didn't make vehicles before, but don't have to know how to make vehicles to be able to make a battery powered drivetrain with like AI technology and how different brands can benefit from that. And I think going to CES was an example of where a lot of the stuff was was just um, showing off the future and what to expect and how how tech is in areas that we just didn't expect it to be before. You said CES? Consumer Electronics Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot the, of cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you see there? Like, uh, So that's more broad scope at yeah. tech. Oh, what yeah. were um, like an example from each industry that you thought was very forward moving? I think um, they were showing stuff even of like flying cars. Uh, a lot of car manufacturers were doing demonstrations of like what we sh- what the future is going to look like, like renderings, really nice renderings of the modular future. And they even had like these drones where you can control from a tablet and they'll fly from each pod and just lets you envision what to what you expect to see. It looks a little bit crazy now, but I, I don't think these ideas are as crazy as some of the ideas that we have today that we may have seen 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, folding phone revolutions also being big. I, I'm still kind of split on that. I feel like as a toy phone or if you have like spare money that you just want to play with, then a, then a flip phone makes a lot of sense. But practical use is still a bit questionable. It's kind of like how there's been a lot of evolutions of technology such as um the TVs, 3D TVs that kind of died out. Right. There just wasn't a need for it. Um, but yeah, going back to the travel thing, there's press conferences, there's general tech events that are like international events. Everyone from around the world kind of goes to those. And then you have like the private tours in the factories and also some press trips where you get to attend as a as a guest or a VIP. And I think the ones that are yeah really exciting are the ones where you just don't expect it. It's uh, it's like, well, it's, uh, it's almost hard to remember because there was so many, it's a bit of a, one thing I wish is that they're a bit more spaced out because otherwise you don't really get to take it all in. You're just thinking about like, I got to fly in another five days and just here to here to here to here. And mm-hmm. in 2018, for example, five days between going to New York and Milan, Italy for the first time. And like, it was, a, uh, it was definitely, um, to prepare for that was, was a bit of a rush. And well, what'd you have to prepare for? Oh, just like you got to get all your gear, you got to get all your gear out, prepare it again, do all your laundry, which doesn't seem like much. But you also have to remember we've been away for three, four days already. Mm Got to film all the videos to also make up for the week that we were gone and the week that we're going to be gone and then pack all the stuff again and get ready to to fly. It must have been 22 hours and um, all that just from a baggage not to make it. Do you ever um, like what is some sort of routine that you fall into? not like packing your bag but what's something that helps maintain like a clear head while you're on these trips i mean i never got a i never really have a clear head hey but man, it could be just like an iced <laughs> coffee you get from a certain airport like what's oh, yeah, of yeah. consistency that you do um the problem is the flights are at 3 a.m and uh the mcdonald's next to the airport is not open out here and uh the tim hortons is also not open till 5 a.m so usually on an ideal trip i would get a nice iced coffee and then uh, get like a chicken noodle soup from Timmy's and a chili. White Spot's <laughs> also a good pre-meal. But if you add that iced coffee, then you might have to use the toilet. Uh, Every time. But the good thing is we got Nexus now. So some of these travel hacks are just having Nexus and TSA pre-check, cut mm-hmm. the line right away. And um, I almost forgot half these hacks been now because I feel like we haven't traveled in a year. And uh, the, pack, the, the baggage pack is always right under 50 pounds. I get a bit lucky with that. But... We'll usually take the gear in a Pelican and then we'll take the 
the clothing and everything on a send on and with the tripods and stuff. But it's important to make sure that you have at least the stuff that you can film with the bare minimum. So you have at least one camera on hand in case your baggage doesn't make it, which happens more than people might think. Oof, how often do you think that happens? Because you did say uh, it's like happened a to me, uh, I think twice in a row in Switzerland. But Oof. yeah, it's. Uh, have you got your bag back? Both yeah, times? I did. Yeah, I did. That's it good. was. Uh, I got lucky with that. But I also have a bad tendency of like setting my equipment on the plane because I don't really want to carry it. I think one of the let's see other routines would just be. I mean, staying very hydrated. I usually like to have a nice meal before. I don't really have any motion sickness issues anymore after you fly so much. I used to, but uh, after you fly a decent amount, uh, it's not a not a big deal. What are the hacks to falling asleep quickly? I think that's more of a natural thing. If you can't fall asleep, not on a plane, you can't really fall asleep on a plane. I have troubles with falling asleep on a plane as well. What do you do to keep your mind busy while you're flying? I mean, that's a lot of hours you clocked. I think uh, I would say... In my case, business class is a is a big, big difference, uh, big advantage, and it is worth it. Like it sounds like kind of dumb. What makes it worth it, though? It sounds kind of dumb to say, but on a hundred flights a year, if you're in if you're in economy the whole time, you're just like you're always tired. It's harder mm -hmm. to sleep. It's harder to get work done. You're less likely to take your iPad out or your computer out and do a full video on that. So I feel like if you're getting paid a decent amount for the trips and if there's like a, I always feel like it's just like a, it's a trade-off. Like if you can get a certain amount of work or time back on a flight and it's expensable and you've already got everything else paid for. And it's like, it, you just got to justify it for yourself. And I feel like, um, what makes it worth it is just, uh, I don't really care about the food and stuff. The food is honestly like whatever, but just the amount of space you can get, you can just like roll it flat, take it, take it nice sleep. I think it really lets you put together a itinerary for your flight. You're in your own zone. You're in your own pod. You get on the plane, you get your headphones ready, your, um, your iPad ready. So what I would normally do is I'll, I'll eat all the meals and just to make sure you don't get hungry when you land because of the time change and all that. But right. I'll usually on a, say on like a nine hour or 10 hour flight, I'll try to sleep for four to five hours. I'll watch one movie. I'll try to do a couple hours of work and then I'll watch some TV shows in the beginning. So, um, yeah, I, I don't normally like to watch a movie at the start of the start of the flight. Uh, but if you need to get a little bit more tired then just watch a movie and, uh, and you're good to go. It changes. I don't really have like a, have a set routine. Uh, right. but yeah, I almost have to think about it a little bit more cause it's been a, it's been quite a while, but <laughs> you just go, go, go. I do feel like it does take the, a lot of the stresses of, or the, the things that suck about flying a lot. And yeah. as you fly more, you get more points, you get better status and it's just easier to, to upgrade, but you definitely need to, like, I had to go like, I think it must've been like 200 something flights on a, in economy before being able to use the upgrade points and paying for some of them. Would you ever go back now that you've been uh, upgraded? Ooh. On the right trip, yes. So yeah, what, what would be like the, the hour where you're like, okay, I definitely need business. Is it like 10 plus hour flight? You're like definitely business class? I would say f six. Six plus hour? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not too expensive to up, rel in rel relatively speaking, it's not too expensive to upgrade on a five, six hour flight if you have enough uh, points that are given from the airline. But I think now it's to the point where it's, there's enough travel on its own already that if if it was to be a trip that would that would really make me tired and not really be worth it, then business class a lot of times could be the deciding factor because otherwise I could just stay at home and rest and and do do whatever I I usually am used to doing already. But yeah, yeah that's uh I would say in order to it's almost like a way to filter out over traveling. At some point there's a diminishing return like these trips aren't making money they're not pulling in many views either in some cases because our, our channel's not a travel channel but 
yeah, I like traveling, but it, it is a mixed relation with it. And I think we're very lucky to do it. I got to make sure I keep saying that because uh, I do like make jokes about it and complain about it a little bit too much. But yeah, I think being able to travel with because uh, uh, like, like friends and stuff, you can bring them on the trips for free and they can help out a little bit and everybody just kind of hangs out. And and uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. Well, there you go. I would, um, there's definitely a lot of good value in that for someone that's uh, kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, you can see that there's a lot more that goes on besides just showing up and taking out your camera. Yeah, I think um, the the biggest takeaway from this video or this episode would be to in the beginning, it's it's going to have to take some investment. If you really want to get into the travel industry, go to somewhere like cheaper, like the Philippines, Thailand and and Bali. And if you're able to create content there that is unique to the other hundreds of videos that are out there, then you've definitely got something special. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's a really good starting point because a, lo- a lot of places are just really expensive. And if you live in California, take a trip to like Joshua Tree or go to San Francisco or or something like that. There's a lot of stuff to film uh, if you're not stuck on an island. I mean, even on the island, you might you could argue there's some stuff to film, but I, I would probably have to disagree with that. But yeah, just... I think it's the same with tech or in travel. Use what you're able to have access to or what you can afford at that period of time. And if you're able to make the most out of that and even make something out of it, a lot of times people who have less actually make better stuff than people who have everything. Uh, Mm. Yeah, so I I think uh, that's the best way to get started. I believe it too. I think quality over quantity if you're going to get into travel video. Provide as much value as possible in the video. A story. A story is the most important thing uh, that I, I can't even say anything because my my storyline is kind of weak, but we're not in the te- in the store in the travel industry. So, yeah, story. Try to tell a story through visuals instead of just putting B-roll back to back, because that's how mm-hmm. you really grow and build an audience. And eventually a company will hopefully reach out and you'll start to travel. I think Christian LeBlanc is a really good example of that. And uh, hopefully we can have him talk a bit about that, how he built the whole travel thing and the courses and the streams of revenue and But thanks so much for listening to this episode and we'll catch you guys in the next one. If you haven't already, follow us over on Instagram at feature.media and Brandon and I's links will be down below as well. And we'll see you next week. See you later. Peace.